So we, uh, we received a heartfelt request from one of the attendees requesting that we uh, double the syllabus and we try to get through two ayat instead of instead of just one. <laughs> so we so we will we will uh, I, I won't uh, mention any names, but uh, he's our reference point for Mother Teresa. <laughs> So uh, yesterday we had finished the 12th ayah But really they are causing corruption Though they do not realize it So today we're going to be taking the next ayah When it is said to them So uh, again Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He's speaking in this tense Which is called Mamnin al-Majhul which basically means that the the one who's speaking or the one who's addressing is not mentioned by name. And why did we mention that was significant? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not mention who is the one that is speaking? Hmm. When it is said to them. It doesn't say when the Prophet says to them or when the believers say to them. Why is the individual not mentioned? Okay. You want to keep the focus on the munafiqeen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want to distract the conversation. He wants to keep the conversation very focused. So this is why they're not mentioned uh, specifically. And what is it that's being said to them? Believe as others believe. This is an interesting uh, stru- structure. Or this is an interesting way of presenting it or of saying something. It said, it's basically saying, why do you not believe as others believe? So who, who are these others, and why mention this in this way? Because like I said, this, this is a very interesting way of presenting it. This is a very interesting way of actually saying it. Going up, because what has been said to them before, right? This is not the first time that they're being addressed. This is not the first time that the munafiqeen are being spoken to. What was the first thing that uh, was said to them? Why are you causing fitna? Why are you why are you being mufsid? And why are you causing corruption? So that was the first thing that was being addressed to them. And the second one here, it says, why do you not believe as others believe? Why is that significant? Why is that important? What was, that, what was the sentence again? The sentence is believe as the others believe or believe as other people believe. Kama amana nas. Aminu kama amana nas. Believe as other people believe. Like the majority? Okay. So if if we're looking at this because remember, again, we always want to be in Medina, right? We want to be in Medina and contextually to help us understand what it is that's going on at the time. So the Prophet or the believers are saying to them, like, why can't you just believe like what? Like everyone else, right? Like, why can't you just believe like everyone else? Because even here, again, the, this <clears throat> the conversation doesn't want to get distracted, right? We don't want to distract the conversation. So you don't have this individual, whether it be the Prophet Muhammad whether it be believers, he's not saying to them, why don't you believe like me? Right? Why don't you believe like us? They say, why don't you believe like others believe? And this is, this is a very interesting way of presenting something, right? You usually, uh, when we want someone to change, or we want someone to come to the right path, 
we don't usually tell them like, yo, hey, I want you to be more like me, right? Why don't we say that? Right, because we ourselves have shortcomings, and as soon as you say that to someone, as soon as you say that to someone, what is that person going to say? Huh? <laughs> no, he'll start saying things like, "Well, you know, you do this, and you do this, and you do this." So it's it's not a very it's not it's it's very distracting, and and secondly, it's you're not setting a good standard, right? It's, it's not an appropriate standard when you want to address someone, when you want to talk to to someone. And it comes off as, as arrogant too, right? When, you, when you're saying like, listen, I need you to be more like me, right? Or, you know, why don't you believe like I believe? And so you don't, that's not a standard that you want to create. That's not a standard you want to mention. And this is why it, may, it makes more sense. Or even why didn't, why isn't it being said, why don't you believe like us? Because we feel made for us. Hmm. We believe like we're, you are something very high. Okay. So it's firstly it's the same concept. It's like the same type of idea. Like okay, you know, it's basically saying like believe like me and my friends, right? That's it's another way of saying that. Uh, secondly, you create like this division. You create this division uh, in a couple of ways. One of them, it come again, it comes across as arrogant because you're saying okay, you need to believe like this group, right? This particular group, you need to believe like that. And and another way of doing that, all of a sudden you're creating this dynamic of what us versus them. them. And when you have this us versus them type of dynamic, it's very, it's, it's not inclusive. All of a sudden it starts becoming exclusive. You start excluding people from that. So I, I just thought it was something of note and something like, you know, a nice way of teaching us actually how to deal with people. And, and the other thing is not only how to deal with people, even people who you have certainty about <coughs> concerning particular beliefs. So here the Prophet Muhammad and maybe possibly some of the believers, they understand and they knew that these individuals were munafiqin. But even then, they still continue to deal with deal with them how? Patience. They still had patience, right? They still had this patience, they still had this uh, tolerance, and they were still relatively open to them. <clears throat> so this is this is a good lesson for us. I'm sorry? I have a question. Sure. Actually, mm -hmm. So when the prior verse or I think a couple verses before where it says that um, we're here to do islah. Yes. And I think they were confronted, and so mm -hmm. they looked at it, and they're simply doing Islam. And yeah, now yeah. we're saying, if we continue, now we're saying, why can't you be like, mm -hmm. you know, from others, right? Mm -hmm. So how does that contextually fit in? Because they're saying we're doing Islam, but mm -hmm. then we're saying, why? And they're already saying we're different than you, because you guys know the one path. Okay. So over here, I would say that this is, the conversation has now moved forward. Meaning that first, the, the initial conversation was like, okay, you know, can you guys just like calm it down? And, and this one, at this level, it's more of a frustration. At this point, it's more of a frustration, but still trying to keep that mannered discussion. Because when we look at the answer, we can even see that even the answer has become more aggressive now. So like, let me, let me just read the entire translation again, and then just to, again, just to give it a little bit more context. When it is said to them, believe as other people believe or others believe, they say, should we believe as the fools do? Versus the answer that we had gotten before, which was what? Like, no, you know, we're just, trying, we're just trying to fix things. And now the answer is coming like, well, you know, why should we believe like fools believe? So, Wallahu alam, I, I would say, if we look at chronologically, it would seem that this conversation has happened after the previous one. Because the previous one, there's still, uh, you know, there's still, 
there's it's still civil, but this one it's you know it's it's much more aggressive. Yes. Is it on those ayahs? I'm assuming. Yeah. On those ayahs that was sent down different times, so would it be that that first ayah was sent down at a certain time, and a few time later? Okay, that's a possibility, but the thing is, I don't know of any text to to tell me, and that says, okay, this ayah was revealed, and then there was another conversation that happened, and then another ayah was revealed following that. Uh, when it comes to Asbab and Nizul, or the reasons for revelation, or when ayat were revealed, we don't really have too many narrations. Um, you, there are a few books that were put together uh, concerning Asbab and Nizul, but there are a handful, and it's just like very few narrations. You have two types of you have two types of Quran in relation to in regards to revelation. You have something called sabab nuzul, meaning that there is a reason for revelation. You guys, can you guys think of any examples of something happening and then a verse was revealed? Hmm? Had ifk. Good. Um, what is interesting about Hadith Ifk? So Ifk is when they, Aisha Allahanha, was accused of, of zina, and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala then freed her of that claim. That wasn't immediate, right? It, it took it took some time. It took about a month uh, for those verses to come down, but they were the reason that those verses were revealed. Yes. When the other will be when the Musa sold them to a slaughter cow. So then the, the guy will come alive and tell them who killed that Okay, that, that's more with um, miracles and not verses of the Qur'an. So when I, what I'm talking about here specifically is what, what event happened to initiate revelation of Qur'an. Does that, is that, that's a better, I think that's a better question. Okay, Surah Al-Kawthar, what, what initiated the revelation of Allah, I'm going to have to go back and check that. I don't, I don't recall that being something. Surah uh, Al-Majadah. Like we, we had just spoken about it yesterday. Where Khawla, she went to the Prophet to complain about... Zihar. Huh? She went to complain about her husband. So what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what happened there? Then Surah Al-Majadah, or the, the, one, the woman who was disputing, it was revealed in its entirety, talking about what to do when you're in that situation. So th these are a few examples. There's a number of examples. Hmm? There, are, I mean, there, there, are, there are a bunch of examples, but when we compare it to the Quran that was revealed without any specific revelation, the percentage is very, is very small. So that that tells us, or that uh, gives us insight into when we talk about reasons for revelation. We said that there are some surahs and some verses that we know that what initiated the revelation for them, but a vast majority of the Quran, what? Quran's came like for the life in general. I think. Yeah. So, I'm sorry? Sabab and Nizul. Sabab and Nizul means the reason for revelation. So, the reason of revelation, we said there are two. One, there was an event, and the second is what? Just general revelation. Meaning that there was nothing that initiated the revelation, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just sent it down over time, whatever time period that was, over a period of 23 years. Um, in, in, in Arabic, we say that you know there's, يعني بحادثة يعني with an event or ابتداءً without an event. 
these are the two types of revelation that come. Uh, concerning the ayat of Baqarah, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I can't, I, I can't think of any specific event that happened that initiated their revelation. Um, I think this was revealed in Arafah when the Prophet made his farewell hajj. So that would be maybe an initiation for that. But I can't think of anything else specifically. Uh, two angels had come down telling the Prophet, but that's not a sub of Nuzul. That's just how it came. Yeah. I, I have a question. Sure. Uh, so I'm looking at ayah number 76. Look at ayah number 76 in this light. They have very similar uh, response. Explain why. Okay. So uh, we will talk about this, and inshallah, if we if we get to, I know you're trying to push me faster. No, no, he's 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 trying he's trying to push me to go faster. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So so basically, what you have is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in Surah Al-Baqarah, and in other surahs, you will find you will have similar stories. Hmm? You will have similar stories, but the the wording or the presentation of that story is a little bit different. And the reason is, is because the focus shifts. The focus shifts. So the focus we said right now is on what? No, no, no. On the munafiqeen. And when we get to that point, when we get to that point, inshallah, the focus might not be on the munafiqeen, it might be on the nifaq itself, on the hypocrisy itself. Uh, it might be in relation to some other discussion that's going on. But when we get to that point, it's something that we have to look at. But there is a reason for repetition. There's always a reason for repetition. And again, it's usually a, sh a shift in focus. That, that's what it is Meaning that it is, it's, the same, it's the same picture It's the same story But instead of this angle Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pre presenting it from this angle And the reason he's doing that Is because he wants to give another lesson For that Does that help? So go, going back about 60 verses <laughs> uh, Here we said that uh, the, the presentation or the discussion Is still somewhat civil and that the believers are trying to go to them and they're trying to present to them in an appropriate way without being insulting and without creating like a us versus you type mentality and the us versus you dynamic. And then they say what? I'm sorry? Yeah, this is this is the side. So they say, should we believe as the fools do. So what do you guys think happened between here and a couple ayat before? Well, before they said, we're just trying to be peacemakers. Right. Where they think that their ideology is correct. But fools here, it's what they mean by fools. <laughs> because like, I, I read in one of the texts here, it's saying mm -hmm. like, para, because mostly the, the they were, I don't know if they were all rich, but they definitely were established. Hmm? So, but Safi is someone who's yeah. intellectually lacking. Like, no, I mean, which is fine. Uh, I mean, I don't, my stubborn. Because people who are generally poor, when we see beggars and stuff in the street, what do, how do we view them intellectually? Do we think like, oh, these are the leaders of the nation? No, yeah, we view them as uneducated, generally. So it's not, I, there's, there's definitely muqarana, there's definitely a relationship there. 
and it's definitely a possibility. I don't, I don't see that. I just don't recall reading it. That's all. Um, I'm sorry. Is it that they're calling the Ummah? Yeah, they're calling the believers. You know, meaning that they feel they're what? That they're right. They feel they're superior. They feel they're superior. They feel they're right. And and not just that. But the tone has shifted. Right. The tone has changed here. So before they're saying, and we're just trying to fix things. Right. We're trying to. We're just trying to be upright. But now they're saying what? Right, they're saying these people are what? They said, why? I can't, I can't believe like them. Why? Because those people are fools. What, what do you think changed that made them so aggressive? It could be a couple of reasons. I'm sorry? All right, there, there's an open confrontation now. No, no, this thing is being openly discussed. Something, because before the, the atmosphere was that of recognition. Like, hey, like we're, we see what you're doing. Like that, that was the atmosphere and that's what it seemed like it was coming out before. But now it seems like things are out in the and they're now now they're out in the open. It doesn't seem like there's anything hidden there. And not just that. When a person speaks can be so insulting and is so confident, what does that mean? I'm sorry? Oh arrogance for sure. But something else. Pride. It's huh? I mean all those things. Arrogance, ego, pride. Yes, I agree with all of that. There? Would you, if you were scared, would you call your opponents a fool publicly? Huh? No. Think about that. If I'm in a political atmosphere where I am the underdog, is it in my best interest to oppose that government or to oppose those politicians? Example. If I went to any dictatorial country today. Anyone? What? Oh, and which is most of them, right? <laughs> uh, and I went and I landed and I got off the plane. I spent a few days and then I started going out publicly and chanting that, you know, this leader is a fool. This leader needs to be brought down. This leader is oppressive. What do you think is going to be the end result? <laughs> <laughs> That no more vacations, right? <laughs> and, th and that's it. There's not going. You're not going to hear any comments from me. So it's very important for. But here in, uh, in we can use the United States as an example. If somebody publicly insults Trump, what happens? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's it's not a problem. Why? Because you, because you have the confidence and you know that there's not going to be what repercussions. repercussions. You know that there's no retaliation. You know you're still safe. Like, I can say whatever I want, and these guys can't do anything about it. So that's important. Which gives us insight into the political atmosphere of what? Mm. Of Medina. This gives us political insight into what is going on in Medina at that time. That basically anybody who comes into Medina has what? Has freedom of speech. And, we, and there are repercussions. And the repercussions are, when, remember when we were talking about Ahkam Murtad, when an individual leaves Islam? Yeah. If we put that in context and in perspective of what we're talking about now, does it even make more sense that the issue of Murtad is more of a political issue than it is a religious one? Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. If you, these individuals, they're calling the Muslims fools. And who, who is from amongst the Muslims? Rasulullah And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is informing the Messenger of Allah, that these individuals exist. 
Because if we assume and if we say, okay, this is not the Prophet Muhammad who's having this conversation with Munafiqeen. Let's make that assumption. Whoever this believer is, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we can definitely see in that there, it is a believer that's having this conversation with them. It is, being, it is happening. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has now informed the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that these conversations are happening. And they're calling the Muslims fools, which includes you. And we see no what? We don't see any repercussions. And when it was said, even the companions, because the companions were fed up. The companions were fed up. Even Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul's son, he said to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said, he's, huh? He, he's like, he's like, Allah and Yadr ibn He said, Ya Rasulullah, allow me to go remove his head. His father, he was talking about his father. He said, allow me to remove his head. Why? Because he was caught, because he's damaging the community, exactly. Like we like Ya Rasulullah, like we know who it is. We know exactly who's causing the problems. Allow me to take care of the problem. Why did he need so if the ruling is to you know, I think I don't know if that ruling was reinforced at that time, but if the ruling was to um, death for the Murtaz Yeah. or I don't know if his name was Munafiq at this one. Okay, so what is the difference between a Murtad and a Munafiq? So the Munafiq doesn't openly what? Opposes them. He doesn't openly oppose them. Internally, he might be scheming, he might be planning, but he is not going out publicly on the streets and what? He's not opposing the state. He's not opposing the rules. He's not opposing anything. You tell him, hey, you need to pray. What is he doing? He's coming to the masjid and he's praying. It's like, hey, we need sadaqah. You know what he's doing? He's digging out of his pocket. When there is the mil- even for the military draft, when when we get to uh, Surah At-Tawbah, inshallah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, the, the Surah At-Tawbah was revealed regarding who? The three who did not partake in the draft, in the in the military draft. They didn't have any reason. They didn't have any excuse. They went to the Prophet ﷺ, The Prophet ﷺ, He said, "Why didn't you partake in the draft when we had?" When we needed the battalion, when we were forming the army, why didn't you come? And what did they, all three of them, they all had the same answer. What did they say? They're like, they're like, yeah, we don't have an excuse. Like, we just didn't want to come. But there were other people who did excuse themselves. Who are those? I mean, there were some people who had legitimate excuses, absolutely. I agree. But there's another group of people that didn't. These were the munafiqeen. And what was the difference between what they told the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and what these three individuals did? One was lying. They, they were lying. They're straight up lying. They like they would come up and they would make up excuses and they say, "Oh yeah, you know, like sun was in my eyes," or you know, they were just they were making up excuses on why they didn't want to join the draft or why they didn't want to join the military expedition. Yes. The Prophet also knew. He also knew. He knew, and he knew they were lying. That's crazy, right? He knew they were lying. But what did he do with them? He, he, didn't, he pardoned them. Okay. That's their excuse. And he pardoned them. And we do have a number of situations. Umar he came to the Prophet he was angry one day. He says, let me go remove his head. Just, just, let, just, just give me the word. Just, you know, just, just nod. And, you know, I'll, 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 t- I'll take care of it. But what did the Prophet say? How did he respond? I mean, just the wisdom, the wisdom here. 
He said don't, but he, what else did he say? He, I, there's, a, there's an additional statement here. Mm. I don't want the people to say that Muhammad kills his followers. This is very important. Because because he's openly, what? He's not openly opposing Islam. And the one who openly opposes Islam and the state and the Muslims, this is what? This is the more thing. This is Murtad. And that's why I say that when it comes to the the issue of Irtad, when it comes to the issue of apostasy, it is more of a political reason in maintaining political stability than it is religious disruption. Because essentially the Murtad and the Munafiq, they're both what? They're both disbelievers. They're both disbelievers. So it's it's not about okay somebody left Islam because the reality is somebody can leave Islam privately in their house and what can the state do about it? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And they won't do anything about it because this leads to suspicion. This leads to mistrust. I mean, all of a sudden now, who are you going to trust and who do you not trust? There's no way to tell. So that's why it's a smarter, wiser, better for the community to always assume what. About the other, if I see another Muslim, automatically I am obligated to assume what? That he's a Muslim. Huh? That he's a Muslim. That he he's a Muslim. Not only is he a Muslim, I'm obligated to believe this. That not only is he a Muslim, but he intends well. Right? He's, he he intends well. That he's a Muslim and he intends well. When is that allowed to change? Uh, when he does something. As soon as I have a proof. As soon as I have any proof. But if I just see a Muslim just crossing the street, I automatically have to assume that this person is is good. There's no, unless there is something to prove me otherwise. How does that have an effect on society? Today or back then? Anytime. Trust between the right, it helps build trust between the community. Immediately. If I'm obligated to believe that everybody's good, this is an immediate way of building trust. And not just that, because let's look at, let's flip the coin. Let's flip the coin. What if we were commanded to have suspicion in everyone? Huh? There's no community. There's absolutely no community. The, you know, the first meeting that I have, I'm like, you know, brother be like, I'm like, I'm going to be like. <laughs> I mean, just imagine. I mean, just imagine. Just imagine. And, and, and this, you know what the sad thing is? Is there are, are individuals who think like this. There are individuals who do think like this. That every person they look at, they have to size them up. And they have to, and they'll come, and what is one of the first things that they'll do? They'll start asking them specific questions. Like, Akhi, uh, so what do you think is the ruling on the beard? Akhi, what do you think about uh, your pants being below your ankles? You know, and, and, but the, the thing is, why? Why do they do that? And I don't, I don't mean to point out anyone individually, but, but why do they do that? They're trying to find how much knowledge this person has. How much they're not. I, I wish it was an issue of knowledge. Wallahi, I wish it was an issue of knowledge. No, it's not even an ego thing. Huh? What was the word I used? They're trying to gauge you. They're trying to figure out, is this person really what? Essentially, he's basically trying to gauge you to say, is this person really Muslim or not? Huh? Or better than me, less than me, whatever it is. Whatever the reason is, at the end of the day, this is not prophetic. At all. Yes? So, for example, like, uh, like sometimes I've, I've seen mm-hmm. 
I'm not gonna say what budget, but it seemed like some uncle come out to a kid like your your shorts are too small. Yeah. Like, so he's he's not gauging his Islam because he's not having a discussion with him and he's not asking him questions. So like for example, what what would be the answer if it's, like where's the ruling on like shorts? Like where where do they have to be up to and. I mean, that's a fiqhi discussion, and that's not something I want to detract on too much, and that's something we could talk about later. I think a better question would be, how are we as a community supposed to act when we have a difference of opinion on issues? Or, we as a community, how do we deal with each other when we have somebody who's clearly ignorant? Because it happens, right? You know, this, part, this, this kid or whoever it is that we're going up to, and he's wearing shorts that, for you, you consider too short, because it's not necessarily that they are too short. There's a, there's a big difference. There's a, there's a difference between what I consider and what is the actual. Or there's a difference between what I consider and he considers. But again, that's another issue. The, the bigger question is, uh, am I being understanding of, of this person in front of me? There's a, there's a brother who came and prayed with us, I think yesterday. He, it was his first fast. Like, you know, he just accepted Islam. It was his first fast. Just, yeah. ima- just imagine, you know, just imagine the, the day prior. He was Muslim. Now, it, he had been Muslim for some time, but it was his first fast. Imagine the day prior to that, he's coming to iftar and he's eating before the adhan. What would have happened? What do you think? A lot, a lot of people would have gone ballistic. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's it's wrong to feel something. I'm not saying it's wrong to for for it to be to have. To, to want to do something, yeah, that's that, like, that's that's normal. Yeah, like, uh-huh. No, because you yeah. you you have you ha- you want to protect your religion and you want to protect other people's religion, and that's natural. But, but, but there, it's the way that it's done. And you know what? I, I there there is something I do want to share with you. Um, I'm just going to read this to you really quickly, inshallah. This happened here in New Jersey not too not too long ago, and I want you guys to kind of kind of think over it. Uh, this was sent in a WhatsApp group. It says, Salam team. There was a young lady he, who came to our center for the very first time yesterday night. She bought her very first hijab and modest clothing over a Muslim website waiting for them to come in. She, she had got them to get them delivered. She was excited to attend iftar and taraweeh and was planning to stay for the girls' qiyam just to be yelled at from one of our members of the community for her pants not being loose enough. She went home crying and didn't last 10 minutes in our center. This has happened. Like, I'm talking, like, this, this happened. And, and how, re- related that back to this ayah, look at how these people are talking to the munafiqeen. They don't want to even tell him you're not a munafiq. He, he's not even calling him a munafiq. Like, he, he, they know he's a munafiq. And look at how they're dealing. Look at how they're dealing, and look at how we deal with each other. It's like this, this, this so ill-mannered, ill-mannered arrogance, ego, sizing people up, gauging people. This is like completely against the spirit of Islam. Completely against, like absolutely opposed. Absolutely, just, just look. You know, you don't even have an answer after this. Like even when they said, you know, why should we believe like these fools believe? Do we have an answer after that? He's like, no, we're not fools. No, we're like great people. No, we don't. We don't even have that. He doesn't even engage. There's no engage, There's no further engagement. 
just coming to him with proper manners, coming to her with proper manners, and just telling them like, it's like you know what? Why, why, why can't you just believe like everyone else believes? Just come, and this is how we're dealing with our own Muslim brothers and sisters. So, um, like I said, getting into fiqhi discussions on how to define certain things. The, the issue is, I don't mind. Like we can discuss those things all night. The the problem is, is that we'll still have intolerance even after we educate ourselves. Everybody has a cultural mindset of how to define how to dress. Everybody has a cultural mindset on how to act. Everybody has a cultural mindset on how to separate themselves and how to be, you know, you know, where should the women be in the masjid? How should the boys dress? How should the girls dress? How much space apart does everybody need to be? How close should we stand next to each other? You know, how should you dress? How should you not dress? It's, it's, there's a lot, there's a huge cultural umbrella that kind of dictates a lot of these things with a, very few people actually knowing the base religious obligations so it, it, it does take time and it takes education but it also takes people who are willing to have that conversation I remember how I was having a conversation with someone someone has said to me you know how how is it that they allow karate in the masjid so I said to him I said okay I said the masjid in Nabu like what kind of standings does, does that have in Islam I was like is it important is it not important it's like, no, it's, it's the second most important uh, masjid in Islam, second most holiest site that we have. I was like, okay. So the Prophet allowed these things to happen in the masjid. He allowed it to happen in the masjid. Do you know what he said? Huh? And, and I mean, not, and not, not so many words. He was like, no, that didn't happen. The fact that they're in the no, no, he was no. He was saying that no, that that didn't happen. I was like, it's like the hadith, like in Bukhari, Muslim. It was the hadith Aisha, where she's saying that she was watching them from from the window of her house. And her where's her house? It's attached to the masjid, right? It's like literally attached to the masjid. The Prophet sent him. He was she was up like you know he was with her, and he and he asked her. He was like you know are you, like you're done like you you're done watching like can we go? And she was like no no not yet I want to watch a little bit more. And then after a little while, he asked her again, and she was like, yeah, you know, I, th I think I've seen enough now. But all of this event, the entire event was happening inside the masjid. And I'm telling the brother, like, no, this, this is what happened. So doing these things, I said, as long as they aren't disturbing the primary purpose of the masjid, which is what? This is Islam. As long as the primary purpose of the masjid isn't being disturbed, and you, we aren't disturbing those people, I don't, I don't see a problem. If, the, if our prophet, if our messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa didn't have an issue with these things, who am I to say something? I said, and secondly, is the masjid being disrespected? The, the kids who are coming and playing karate, you know, are they are they bringing milkshakes and like throwing them on the floor? You know, are they making graffiti on the walls? Like, you know, but the thing is, even that, it wouldn't be because of the activity. It would be because of what? Because of the people. Individual. Huh? Individual. Yeah, yeah, it would be the individuals. It wouldn't be because of the activity. And I that I would I would stop it at that point. Not again, not because of the activity, but because of the people attending that. Did he agree? Did he huh? No, he didn't. But we're but we still have karate. So, <laughs> so uh, go, going back to how the just this is this these are great ayat in telling us how to deal with our opponents and people who are clearly our opponents. It's it's not like this is something that was hidden. And this is uh, this is something that was very public and something that was very clear. 
So they, these individuals, they respond and say that should we believe as the fools do? Why do you think they use that word? It's, it's because it's one of the best ways to disrespect someone, right? By calling them what? Fools. You're calling them a fool, you're just, you're just completely disrespecting that individual. And it's, it's, it really is sad. Question? Yes. It, so from, from the ayah where they were having some sort of, not ashtaram, but like some sort of like... Just being civil. Yeah, and, and to now be disrespectful, is it because they've been trying over and over and over again and now they're just frustrated to a point? I would imagine that's what's going on. Okay. That's, that, that would be based on the context of the verses and how the conversation is going. Because if, if in the previous ayah, we don't find that aggression. Yeah. yeah, we don't see it. But all of a sudden now, like they're openly calling them names. Exactly. So it would seem that there, there was this conversation was happening time and time again. And eventually they got frustrated to the point where they just, you know, they started calling them names. And usually you call someone names, why? As a way of, of not just putting them down, of what? I'm just trying to get rid of them. Like when when you insult when you're insulting someone, are you insulting him because you want him to like keep staying there and like you because know, you want to keep having a conversation with him? No, you, you're trying to belittle him because you want him to. You want him to leave you alone. You want him to go away. So that this is something that's really important too. Inshallah, to give a little bit. Allahu uh, Allahu. But even if it is happening in private, even if it is happening in private. So if I have a private conversation with someone and they start insulting the religion, then I, want, I would take them to the authorities. I would take them to the authorities. In a very similar way, if we had a private conversation, even here in the United States, and someone came up to me and he was talking about he wants to subvert the government, you know, and he wants to, he wants to kill the mayor, and he wants to, right? What, what would I do? Right? I, would, I, would, I mean, I would, I would take it to the authorities. I would go immediately to the authorities with that. Because he's trying to break the social fabric. He's trying to break society. And that's exactly what the Munafiqeen were trying to do. So for me to say, okay, whether this conversation was happening in public or private, even if it was happening in private, it would have been taken to public authorities. So this, that's something important to keep in mind, inshallah. Our responsibility toward what? Okay. That's. It, it, we should deal with them just like the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and how the companions deal with them. How did they deal with them? What did they do about it? They didn't do anything. I mean, I won't. I won't. Here, let, let me let me put it this way. It's not that they didn't do anything. They didn't take any aggressive steps. Because even toward the end, even when Islam became completely dominant over the region, did the Prophet ﷺ take any active aggressive steps against the Munafiqeen at any point? So remember we were talking about how the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, I, I don't want to kill them because I'm afraid that the people will say that Muhammad kills his companions. Right, he, he kills his believers. Okay, what... At the point where the Prophet ﷺ had control over the three, had a control over Makkah, Medina, and Baif, his opponents were they were scattered and few at that point. Why didn't he take advantage then? I'm sorry. Okay, he he was setting an example. I definitely agree with that. 
Because just imagine had he taken the opportunity to kill the munafiqeen now. This means that any person who came after him sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he said and he starts killing his own people, what can he say? What what is this gonna be his cop out? He's like people are like how are you killing these people? Oh, they were munafiqeen. So he sallallahu was setting a precedent. He was setting a precedent that you cannot do that. Like you can't you can't just because nifaq is an issue of what? It's an issue. It's a. It's an apparent issue or an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart, and no one can tell us issues of the heart except Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That's why even today it is completely unacceptable. Completely unacceptable for anyone to go and be aggressive against someone else with the claim that that person is what a munafiq. Because if there is one thing, if there is one thing that Islam highly discourages, it's it's rebellion and vigilantism. So, think about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there's a hadith of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu had, had I allowed everyone to make a claim, the streets would be full of blood. Because everybody, like, you know, in, what do I mean by allowing everyone to make a claim? If I said, I was like, hey, Saad owes me a thousand dollars, you have one. No proof. And even no background. Nothing. A lot of problems, like, Marriage mm-hmm. life, it's happened because of this. Yeah. Because, like, I just, I'm thinking. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Just false claims. Oh, you know, who are you talking to? Exactly. <laughs> no, you're, you're talking to your ex, you know, Bulan, or, you know, you're talking to an old classmate, and this and that. And just, khiali, just complete, completely made up. But all of these things, they only lead to destruction. Just constantly being suspicious. Constantly being negative, this is something that's extremely detrimental, and something that is like is haram. This is not permissible. I'm not allowed to be suspicious of another Muslim, except if there is a clear proof. And what happens to an individual who makes a false false claim? Uh, we call it in, in English, and even in the American law, this is called the. Uh, I'm sorry. Gossip. No, not gossip, man. When you when you make a false claim about someone. Defamation, defamation of character. That's that's what it is. So de- defamation is basically when I make a claim about someone. Like for example, if I said, uh, if I said like, okay, there's there's this guy Khalid. I'm like, he's a rapist. I just make a claim. What is going to happen in this situation? I'm sorry. No, I'm saying like it, let's let's say we have a we have a government, right? What should happen ideally in this situation? I go. I'm sorry. Uh, not only would he get arrested, what else would happen? I would be taken into custody. Right. So now both of us would be taken into custody. Why? Because I'm making a claim, right? And he is the reci- recipient of that claim. Both of us will stand in front of a judge. And the judge will say to me, uh, what is your claim? I will say, Khalid is a rapist. And what is the judge going to ask me? The judge is not even going to turn to Khalid. He say, what is your proof? And I will say, I do not have any. What is going to happen to me? In, Islam, in an Islamic government. What is going to happen? 
I will be lashed 70 times. And they will not accept my witness again. So defamation of character has a very, very prestigious, very honored, very high value in Islam. And why is that? Because of the community. Because these type of things destroy the fabric of society. These type of things destroy the community. Because even by me making that claim, even if I make that claim, and even if it's a false claim, what happens? Right, like sometimes his reputation, people, people, people will still have a little bit of doubt. People will still have a little bit of doubt until time passes. Yes? So what happened to the guy that uh, uh, accused uh, Aisha? So the thing is, it wasn't a public accusation. It was just something that was being done behind closed doors. It was just known that these individuals were doing that. I think there was one or two people who, was actually, who were actually tried. They were actually tried and they were actually whipped. From, from what I recall, um, but they, they were the ones who were openly making the accusations because there were there were two camps that had formed during the time during Hadza Ifk, um, and one of the camps was the one who was defending her, anha, and the other one was actually accusing her. But the ones who were accusing her, that that camp only had like one or two people who were actually vocal about, about it. Everybody else, they were just kind of with them and supporting them, which is very different, because if you're not making an open claim, can anybody say anything to you in court? No. Does that? Um, yes. So I'm assuming the Prophet knew exactly like who the Munafiqeen were and like where, like, essentially where they were and mm-hmm. like, what they're doing. So even like when he had control of all of Saudi Arabia, did he ever like try to do something or like you know, kind of like a dome around? Like not necessarily like, like the concept of like, maybe putting a dome around them, not like. Like, uh, them, like, kind of, spread like kind, of ex- kind of exiling them. Not necessarily exiling them, but kind of like minimalizing it or trying to like, you know, talk them out of like what they're doing. Or okay, let, let, let's think about what would be the repercussions of doing something like that. So what are some solutions? Think of a practical solution, anything. Okay, so I bring all of these people in a, in a group. I bring them under one, one roof. And I have a conversation with them. What is going to happen in society now? All of a sudden, these individuals start to be exposed. Huh? They'll be exposed, and me, like if I knew, if I knew that this person is a munafiq, how am I going to deal with him? Huh? I'm going to boycott him. I'm just going to cut him off. And so, every time, how? And let's say that that did happen. What would happen in the next generation, or the next generation, or the next generation? Every time a leader got somebody, a group of people under one roof, what's going to happen? They're going to, their people are going to start thinking, like, okay, there's something going on with these people. Let me stop dealing with them. It's all about setting precedent. There's something that's very important. Wouldn't that also be that these people, as you previously mentioned, that they have a disease, they constantly lie. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're just using lies to cover up their lies. And let's put it in another perspective. Let's say that the Prophet ﷺ executed their leader. Or let's say the Prophet ﷺ started dealing with them differently and dealing with them in a special way. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to retaliate somehow. How are they going to retaliate? They're going to go and take all the secrets outside of Medina. 
and they're going to start telling other people how is it that our prophet is dealing with us and we are we're believers we're being oppressed that's just not a good look also one thing like Rasulullah he always like hoping for these people yeah so in the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi he was always hoping. I mean, I'm talking about even the leader of the Munafiqeen, the Prophet Sallallahu had full yaqeen who he was and what he was doing, and he still prayed on him. Just imagine. I mean, he Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, like you want to talk about amazing character, like absolutely amazing. Someone, someone on the day of Uhud who's standing, the battle lines are ready, everybody's standing, they're about to go, one third of your army just walks off just walks off like right now if this happened uh-huh. all this will be right yep. it, was, it was just chaos you're talking about chaos and in the in the battle of Uhud is like they, they lost so there, there were repercussions of, of that but even then even then he sallallahu alayhi wasallam still prayed on Abdullah so um We did. We did one. <laughs> this is all Ramiz's fault. <laughs> I tried, but I, I I really did. I really did. Let's do one more. One more? Inshallah. We we can. We can definitely do that. Okay, um, I mean, but just like half, half an entire eye left. <laughs> okay, let me see that. We'll try to go through it quickly, inshallah. So, Allah, so they said that they are fools. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he responds to them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds to them in the same eye saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it's very interesting, the word choice here. The word choice here that he uses, because he said before, yash'urun. Yeah, that they don't they don't feel it they don't realize it over here ya'lamun that they don't know it so he says here but they those individuals are the fools but they do not know it so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he turns the same he's using the same insult he's using the same insult that they used to describe the believers to describe them meaning that the thing that you are accusing them of, you actually are suffering from that. You are actually you are actually doing it. You are being the fools here. And on top of that, not only are you being the fools, you what? You don't even know. Like you don't even know that you're being a fool. So there's the I think uh-huh. it's in the first. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually coming up. Not too far. We might actually make it to that one. Right. <laughs> Tonight? Tonight? <laughs> we could go. Like, listen, I'll talk to Sheikh, Sheikh Ahmed. I feel like it was the, delay the Qiyam a little bit. On speed dial, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically, he's, he's flipping it now. The insult that they had used against the, the believers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, this insult actually applies to you, and you don't know. What does that tell us about the situation now? And why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, instead of saying, but you don't realize it, he's saying here, but you don't know. What is he actually telling us about them? They're 
I'm sorry? They're clueless. Good. They, they are clueless. But it's, it's another way of insulting them. Because even the first ayah that we had talked about, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is implicitly saying about every single one of them that they're cowards, that they're, they're, they're fools, right? And that they're, they're devious. In this ayah, by, them, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that actually you guys are fools, you just don't know it. What is that telling us about them? They go to hell. That's in the afterlife. But I'm talking about in this world. Yes? It's sort of like reverse hypocrisy. Okay. What, what do you mean by that? Because like, so like, they tell everyone like they're Muslims, mm -hmm. but they don't know it. Whereas they know, in this case, they're okay. stating something as everyone that basically they don't know what they're saying for everyone. Okay. That they're speaking, but they don't even realize right. what it is that they're saying. Yeah. Meaning what? They... You don't even realize how foolish you actually are. It, yes. So you don't even realize how foolish you actually. You are so foolish you can't even identify what being foolish means. And if anybody's suffering from that, it is. It is yourself. And they're beside these ayahs. They're believers. They're read them. Yeah. Hello. I mean, just I mean, imagine praying behind the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi and he, you're hearing him recite these ayat. <laughs> like how dense, you know? What I mean, just like how, how, you know? What I mean, <laughs> you know? What I mean, just, in, just in in telling them the secret conversations, if we say they're secret, or the conversations that they're having, Allah subhanahu wa taala is regurgitating those conversations to them. And then he's exposing them and their affair. And they still refuse to believe. It's complete denial. It's complete denial. Why? Allah protects us, huh? Right. Right. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, again, he's doing, he's doing the same thing here that he had done in the previous ayat. That they're, they're, I mean, this is, this is insulting. This is extremely insulting without what? Without being insulting. This is extremely insulting without actually being openly insulting, saying that you guys are fools and you're so stupid you don't even realize it, right? This, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's, he's not, because this, this is like, that's very lowly language. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above that type of language, but he is not above insulting these individuals who are insulting his believing slaves. So we'll start the next time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَإِذَا لَقُوا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا قَالُوا آمَنَّا وَإِذَا خَلَوْا إِلَىٰ شَيَاطِينِهِمْ when they meet the believers, they say, we believe. And this is a what? This is a lie. This is a lie. But then how could they believe, but at the same time we're going to slap, and at the same time you are Right, it's, and what does Allah say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, the, so the thing is, like, they they have no issue being cowardly, they have no issue lying, they have no issue deceiving, you know, the believers in how they deal with them and how they speak with them. It just it just goes all along in line with what it is that they're doing. Because one of the biggest problems with the liar is what happens when he's caught in a lie. He just, he just, he'll try to lie out of it. 
So it's just you, it's just lie after lie after lie. It just constantly compounds itself. So when they had said to them, okay, no, you know, we're trying to fix things. It didn't work. When they insulted them, what happened? It didn't work. <laughs> and then finally, what did they give up and what did they end up saying? Huh? They're just like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, we believe. Okay, yeah. Because it was just, it wasn't working. Having a conversation, having a conversation wasn't working because they kept getting called out. Insulting wasn't working because they kept showing what? They kept showing good manners and they kept coming back. So in the end, what did they have to do? They just had to openly lie and just say, listen, if you can't find them, join them. Exactly. They're like, you know, just come on, just you know, just believe. And they're like, yes, yes, okay, yes, we 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 believe. Because that is the best way to end what? Argument. An argument and best way to end the conversation. And how did they deal with that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us very specifically now. How did they deal with this situation then? That they they would see each other now. Now the munafiqeen would see each other. And they would see each other. And they would see these conversations happening. Somebody coming to advise them. Like, you know, Akhi, come on. Like, attaqillah. I, I see you sneaking out And I see you doing all this stuff I see you hanging out with those guys Those guys Their, their problems It's not good It's like no man It's okay I, I, I believe I believe I accept And then you have another Munafiq who's looking over And he knows He's a Munafiq too And he's like, like what, what, what is this guy doing What's going on Even though he, he's probably doing, <laughs> He's probably doing the same thing He's looking at him And he's like You know what's going on And then So what happens then After this After this public display What happens <coughs> what do they revert to? I'm sorry? To the shit not to the shit to huh? Right, they start they start secluding themselves and they start right not not just deviating them, they're already deviated, right? But they start secluding themselves and they start going into hiding. And this this going into hiding ends up being the basis for what? Do you guys know? What what is the what is the end result of going into hiding? That they tried to do That was That just failed miserably Masjid al dirar Masjid al dirar It's uh, like, the, like the false masjid Or the masjid of uh, You know Like deviation Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He specifically commands the Prophet He said La tukum fihi abada Never go to that masjid Never, Don't even stand in it Because what they had done All of these individuals Now these munafiqeen They had gotten together and they, they, were, they now built this masjid They built this place of player And what did they want to do? They wanted to invite, invite the Prophet Muhammad Why? For, for, the, for the initiation ceremony So that people can see join us So they can use that now as a Stamp of approval Saying that hey The Messenger of Allah prayed here So now he, he's, Since he's allowed it It's okay for okay. Everyone else to come Is it still there? No it was destroyed It was destroyed in subhanAllah there are a few of the stories of the munafiqeen that you know I, I do want to talk about but what is interesting about a lot of the work that the munafiqeen did it was completely destroyed to the point that we don't even know where some of, there's like there's no historical evidence that some of these things even existed that's that's how thoroughly bismillah that's how thoroughly they were wiped out and it was without us impacting them at all right yeah and it was without any type of aggression or, you know, aggressive action being taken against them as individuals, as individuals. So like no food, no, like, what is no. no, I mean it happened during the time of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, 
Um, but again, that was divine revelation. And because the problem is, had the Prophet ﷺ prayed there, we would also be continuing to pray there. And it might have become like a very important center for, for the Munafiqeen. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to remove that root and stem. So, this, this is another ayah, and that story I do want to spend some time and talk about, inshallah, but we'll, we'll get to it. What is that the translation? That we were joking amongst each other. Like, meaning that when I told them, I was like, no, no, I was just, I was just joking. But we didn't mock. No, it wasn't about mock. I mean, I guess it could be. If, if, some, if you're telling someone, like, hey, you know, you, know, you need to believe in Allah, yeah, 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 I believe, I believe. It, it can be taken as a form of mocking, mm. but well, Allah, Allah. When when we we get there, we'll spend a little bit more time on it. No. Uh, but we have about 15 minutes, inshallah, until uh, qiyam. So we'll stop here. Wallahu alam. Wassalamu alaikum. Muhammad wa alaihi wasallam. Uh, any any questions? Yes. So going back to the whole thing about like suspicions and like gauging people. Yeah. So I know. I mean. Um, Say a Muslim does have those suspicions come to mind. Yeah. Sooner or later, um, what would be like the best solution? Okay. So if, if an individual does have evil thoughts, and because all of these are just evil thoughts, how how should we deal with them? What are some what are some exercises that we can do that will help prevent those evil thoughts? Charity. Would it just be to not act on? No. I mean, the thing is, if if I have suspicion toward an individual, and I know it's unfounded. Then it is not permissible for me to what? To huh. to to act on it, right? It's not permissible for me to act on it. As long as I don't act on it, I won't be accountable. But the problem is, the more I think about something and the more I ponder over it, there will be a point where it comes out sooner or later. So after I I I don't act on it, the next step I should do is I should actively try to clear my heart and clean my heart from whatever that whatever that prejudice is that I have toward that person or the suspicion that I have toward that person. Any other questions? No? Um, if anybody is interested